0: Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. I don't know if you're around the first thing on a Friday morning. I don't know what your day looks like. But every Friday morning, uh, a small group of us gather together online to pray together. And generally, what happens in those meetings is that we somehow find ourselves discovering something fresh or something new about the reality of Jesus. Week by week, it's different people that are taking the the prayer time. So someone will come with a prepared focus. But generally speaking, we tend to end up being led by the Spirit. And this particular Friday, um, due to uh, logistical reasons, it ended up being me take the the, the kind of prayer time. And one of the things that struck me um, about where we ended up in the Scriptures was just what a massive battle there is going on right now in society for the mind. I don't know if you've noticed, as I have noticed, but uh, it seems to me that everywhere you look and in every conversation people are having, people have identified in their own lives a struggle with their mental health, whether that's anxiety or, or you know, some form of paranoia or whatever it is that's going on. It just seems to me that the world is awash, really, with people who are having to navigate the minefield of their own imagination. And it's quite interesting to me that over the last month, that's exactly where we found ourselves in a prayerful way in our conversations here as a community. Because I believe that the mind, the mind is the battlefield. But I want to remind you of this, that Christ has already won the victory. Amen. Are you awake church this morning? Christ has already won the victory. And we have to take every thought captive and every vain imagination that sets itself up against the purposes of God. What could possibly be the purpose of God? That you would live in wholeness and freedom and joy and blessing. That's not a bad day out, but none of you were awake for it, so you slept through it. God's purpose for you is that you would live in wholeness and freedom and joy and blessing. People say to me all the time, what's the will of God for my life, that you would live Fullness, freedom, joy and blessing, that's God's will no matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what's happening in and around your life. But there is a battle in the heavenly realms for the mind. If it's not our young people who are identifying issues of anxiety and, and, uh, you know, paranoia and various other things, it's our elderly people. And more and more and more in society, it seems to me that we've become very acutely aware that the mind has a huge amount of influence on the quality and the capacity of a human being to lead a good life, amen. Amen. But the Bible teaches us that this, that we have been given the mind of Christ. You couldn't have a better mind, three of us are awake. We have the mind of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we're thinking all the thoughts that Jesus gets to think. It simply means this, that we have access to the brilliance of God in every situation and conversation that we're having. I said something the other day, it's absolutely true, that in every conversation I have with anyone, whoever they are, whatever they do for a living, whatever credentials they have, whatever qualifications they have, Jesus is always simply the brightest and most brilliant person in all of that dialogue. He knows everything about everything. And you know some things about nothing. Or in my case, nothing about something. Okay? He knows everything about everything. Amen. And so we don't have to be living with the conditions of the society we're living in or indeed the troubles or the fears that come with anxiety. We can live in the peace and the reality of God. He has given us a peace which surpasses all understanding. I want to say about that peace, that peace is not the absence of difficulties. This is where we get confused. We think when God says he'll keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, he's not saying you won't have trouble or hardship in this world. He's saying most certainly those things will come, but you will live a resilient and a resistant life to adversity because I will sustain you by the government of, the governance of my peace and my authority. So we can be in the midst of a storm and be asleep in a boat. We can see all kinds of chaos happen around us and our hearts are full of hope, Amen. amen. The world can be falling apart but our lives are being held together by the one who sustains all and is in all and is over all. And so our minds are really important and I encourage you to really pour your life into the Word of God. And as your mind is renewed by the Word of God, and it's, it's filled and infused and infused by the blessings of the Holy Spirit, you will find yourself living in a very different place than some of the things that are happening around us. Why is the devil after our minds? Because if he can get our minds, he's got our lives. So be on your guard. We're starting a new series today. Are you excited about that? <laughs> We've called it Summer in the Psalms, just a little meander through the Psalms over the summer. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, why don't you turn to Psalm 112 for me, please? I think we should read this together. I wonder if we can put it up on the screen if possible. Is it me or is it a little warm in here? Are you all going very quiet today? What's up with you? You're on your best behavior? It's lovely. It's lovely. lovely. Okay, Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Amen. Amen. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkest light dawns upon the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Has anybody got a tenor I could borrow? (laughs) Who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts will be steadfast, trusting the Lord. Their hearts are so... They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. And I'm sure the Lord will bless the reading of his word this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And uh, before we even begin to think about, ponder, consider, and absorb your truth, we pray, Lord, you would prepare our hearts for that which you want to do. We may have rushed in here from somewhere else, Lord. Life is quite hectic at the moment for many of us. But we pray, Lord, that you would come and settle our souls to a place we're able to receive from you. For, Father, you are the only one who has the words of eternal life. And without us tasting and seeing that you're good, Lord, well, we might just lose hope. So, Father, I pray that you would give us a feast of finest fare this morning in Jesus' precious name. This particular psalm is known as the psalm of the righteous man or the psalm of the virtuous man. And um, I just want to highlight to you, before we go through it a little bit this morning, we'll begin a conversation around it, that this gentleman has no name. He's not identified in any which way whatsoever. He doesn't seem to have any sense of a a title or, or a position in his community. None of that is mentioned. In fact, he's probably just an ordinary guy from somewhere quite unexceptional. And yet, we find him center stage in the middle of this psalm as a man who lived his life well A man who somehow, in spite of the ordinary everyday existence, found the truth and the reality of God and lived from that place of certainty and security. A nameless, faceless individual who found favor with God. You know, I don't know if that blesses you, but that really excites me because most of the time, if not all of the time, that's how I feel. Just a nameless, faceless individual. Just another bard, another individual trying to work it all out and muddle through life. And yet, somehow, in spite of the fact that we may not be recognizable instantly on the street or be on I'm a celebrity, get me into here or whatever is currently on at the moment. Okay, God knows your name and he knows your life. He knows everything about you. He sees. His eye is on the sparrow and his attention is on you. Amen. Amen. Now, you may not be the celebrity everybody hopes to be in society, but I'd rather that my name was known in heaven than have all the fame that the earth could offer me. Wouldn't you? Yes. And we're living in a celebrity culture. Everybody wants to be somebody. And sometimes people become somebodies without the character sustain them into the uh, fame that is afforded them. And often their lives become tragic parodies of people who get too much too soon. I remember years ago, I worked with a young lady called Shirley Bassey. Does anybody remember her? I mean, diamonds are forever, And wow. remember Shirley? And, and she said this to me, she said, it took me 40 years to become an overnight sensation. Your people say, oh, you're suddenly, no, 40 years, treading the boards, the clubs, this that the other all of that work you know sometimes when people are catalysted into a place of fame without the work they have an instability to their lives and everything becomes about how everybody else perceives them so you might not be famous I'm certainly not famous you may not be the kind of person that everybody thinks is wonderful or has a great credibility in the eyes of society but the Lord sees you he knows you his face is pointed towards you you have the blessing and the favor of the lord i'd rather be a somebody in the kingdom of heaven than somebody in the eyes of people that have something of value now there's a couple of things that this guy did that may be of value to us certain things that got god's attention certain things that caused the blessing of god to flow in and through his life. And it starts as it should start with one of the most obvious but I think so often one of the least uh, favorable things that we tend to do. It starts with this phrase, three little words that determine everything It says praise the Lord. Now whoever this guy was, wherever this guy lived, he had already decided every moment of every day how he intended to live his life. And his intent was he would praise the Lord. You know, when we were up in Glasgow, there used to be this guy came. He was the regional overseer for uh, the churches in in AOG. And he'd come to see Kevin. Peter was the regional overseer for the Elam churches in Scotland. And Peter McCormack or something like that his name was. And he used to come to the door. And Kevin was always upstairs, so I had to answer the door. And I'd answer the door to Peter and he'd say, Is that you, Pastor Simon? Praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. I said, yes, come in, Pastor Peter, come in. Oh, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Would you like a cup of tea? Oh, praise God, that's that's wonderful, hallelujah, thank you, glory to God. Shekinah, 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 Shalom. I said, I I was frightened one day, I thought, I won't ask him if he wants a He'll burst, the whole thing will burst. Would you like a custard cream? Oh, my favorites, my favorites, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him praise him Pastor Simon Thought it's just a custard cream man it's just a custard cream (laughs) and if I'm honest with you I used to snigger under my breath I think gosh what a religious man everything he didn't he couldn't say hello we had to say praise the Lord but you know I was reflecting on this as I was preparing for this and I thought I realized something what a fool I had been because Peter every moment of every day took every opportunity in any way whatsoever to praise the Lord He predetermined he was going to have a good day. He decided in advance he was going to have a good life. And he did it by setting his heart in the one direction that guarantees everything that flows from it, and that is to worship and to honor and to give adoration to God Almighty. When you put your foot on the floor this morning, was that the first thing that came out of your lips? When you put your head on your pillow tonight as you go off to sleep and I pray you sleep well, will that be your final thought? God, you are so good. You see, if we don't set our hearts towards God, something else will set its heart towards us. If we don't determine what our day will look like in regard to worship and adoration and praise to God, then you will find all kinds of things will come in on your life and they will steal your joy. They will steal your peace and they will steal your connection with the eternal realities of the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. Three small words determine this man's life. See, the problem if I don't decide to live like that is that my hope diminishes. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had a really rough week and you've come to church to complain. I know you. You're waiting for something to go wrong, aren't you? You just have that dispensation that's looking for a problem. You don't need to look too far, it's sitting in your seat. You brought it with you, it's in you, it's already created a space for you. And so, in spite of your best attempts to protest, that it's too long, it's too loud, it's too near, it's too far, it's too fat, it's too Irish. The worship team starts singing. Hallelujah, 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 something's happening, hallelujah, 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 I was lost and he came and found me, he called me Simon, after all it was my name. In spite of your bad attitude and your bad disposition and your needing to be angry and frustrated when we magnify the lord when we glorify the lord when we lift up the name of jesus christ suddenly suddenly something moves and shifts and you can't stay where you intended to stay because he is great and worthy to be praised amen suddenly You move from your first appointment, which is disappointment, into your new appointment, which is life and life in all its fullness. Suddenly you move away from despair and you step towards the light. Suddenly you find your heart engaged with not the bigness of the problem or the difficulty that you face, but the majestic reality of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has power and authority, who's over all, in all, and through all, and works all together for the good of those who love Him. There's nothing better than praise, nothing better than praise to recalibrate the heart to the reality of the nature of the person and the power and the greatness of God. The Psalmist David says it this way, Oh magnify the Lord, oh my soul. Was God tiny? God was always great. God was always vast. God was always majestic. When David says those words he's teaching us how to live in the reality of the nature and the person and the greatness of God, magnify him, glorify him, praise him, worship him, adore him, exalt the Lord your God, for he is worthy of your greatness. And here's what happens. When you do that, you move from a place of despair to a place of delight. When you move that, you move out of hopelessness into the reality of the hope that you have, which is steadfast and sure, which is Christ Jesus. When that begins to become your reality, you start to see your problems differently. You see, I am convinced that Christians don't have problems. They have promises. Let me tell you a few. You see, the gas bill came this week, or it'll come soon, that's for sure. We paid loads off our gas bill and we still owe the money. Robbers themes. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Just remembered, I just remembered But I don't have a gas bill And I certainly don't have a problem Because my God is able to supply all my needs According to his glory Amen The diagnosis comes from the hospital You know, they tell me I've got A, B and C Whatever those diseases happen to be I've got a choice. I either accept that as the final word and authority on my life or I go back to what the Bible says. He is my healer. He is the restorer of my soul and he will make all things new. I have to make up my mind which person is telling me the truth. I went out this week to visit a lady who was loosely attached to this church. In fact, when I first came here a number of months ago, I was asked to visit her. She is a Catholic lady. She Uh, doesn't profess to to have you know made any huge commitment to Jesus but she's had an encounter with God and so when I visited her all those months ago I was very very delighted to see her respond to Jesus and give her heart to him and she's been doing her own little journey with God but she had a diagnosis a couple of weeks ago um, regarding cancer and that diagnosis is that she's only got six months to live and so uh, I said I would go and visit her and I went In the car, as I'm driving in the car, (laughs) I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, tell her her time is not yet. Now, I don't know if you get words from God, but I tend to avoid matches, hatches, and dispatches. They're things I'd like to keep away from. So we're sitting in the garden, lovely garden, and um, she's chatting away. And I said, how are you doing, Catherine? She said, oh, it's been terrible. It's been really, really bad. I can't believe, you know, I've fought this cancer off before. I can't take chemo. And um, it makes me really, really ill. And I said, what about your family? How are they doing? And she said, well, you know, they're rallying around, trying to make everything, uh, put everything in place. I said, okay. I said, can I ask you a quick question? She said, yes. Do you think that God might want to heal you? She just went, oh, I don't know. I said, you know, when I was driving here, I got this scripture for you, that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I said, so while you have cancer today, In the heavenly realms you have healing she looked at me like a Labrador dog would look at you she wasn't quite sure I said no that's the truth Jesus when he died and rose again conquered death and he conquered sickness and he conquered disease and so whatever condition we have Jesus has already supplied everything that's necessary for us to be healed is there anybody who believes the Bible here today I'm just checking okay by his stripes we are Okay, I said, the problem is God has supplied all of this in the heavenly realms. We've got every spiritual blessing, but we have lost, if you like, the PIN number to access the bank account. And she said to me, well, what is the PIN number? I said, praise the Lord. You see, everything that God has given us is permanently stored up for us in the heavenly realms. Every blessing in Christ Jesus is yours. But your pin number. Now, I hate pin numbers because I get them all mixed up and I've got about 20 bank accounts trying to keep one step away from the police. <laughs> but, the, but the reality is, at my age, I forget my name, let alone my pin number. So it's, is it a this? Is it the, this church is a nightmare. Everything's got a code, everything's got... I mean, you have to have a book is it the gate no that's a different code I don't know who they're trying to keep out (laughs) Or maybe it's trying to keep you lot in I think that's probably the answer but you can't get in and you can't get out it's really complicated okay but but we have a pin number that accesses the heavenly realms it's called praise it's only three digits praise yeah God inhabits the praises of his people. Every download, every upgrade, every breakthrough, every healing, every blessing already exists in your life. And if you want to access those blessings, you've got to move away from complaining and you've got to start praising. Do you know, we're experts on complaining. The Brits, were brilliant, we're renowned throughout the world. We have a reputation that precedes us. Oh no, he's got a British accent, he's going to complain. I think the tea was slightly milky for me today. Gasson, could you please return to me with something hot? <laughs> you're in 90 degree heat and you're drinking tea, you plunker. Something's not right about the picture. You know, I've traveled all the way to Morocco and I can't find Kentucky Fried Chicken. Don't they know that we're British? That's American, Kentucky Fried Chicken. We're experts. And I think for many of us as Christians, because we lived outside of hope for so long, we have a vocabulary that's attached to that hopelessness. It's called complaint. It's called complaint. But you and I are born-again believers. And we have a hope that is steadfast and sure. And we're learning a new language. And that's called praise. If heaven had a language, it would be praise the Lord. All the time, forever and ever. They're exalting the King of glory. And so for you and I, we need to train ourselves in this new language of adoration and exaltation and praise. And we need to wake up every day and say this day, is the day that the Lord has made. He's given it to me as a gift, and my response to that gift is I will rejoice. Oh, look at your faces when you're saying rejoice. I will rejoice. Oh, God. I will rejoice. Do you know, do you know if you're having a party, don't invite me because if this is rejoicing, I will re- rejoice. rejoice. And be glad in it. So this unknown man, no name, no address, found the secret of living in the fullness and the blessing of God. And he starts his orientation to his explanation for such a blessed life by saying, I live consistently and persistently in pursuit of praising the Lord. How are you getting on with that? When was the last time you did something new for the first time? And that was bless God before God had a chance to bless you. I think sometimes we're waiting for God to do something for us and we need to do something for ourselves. We need to praise the Lord. Peter up in Scotland hadn't got it wrong. He wasn't being religious. He had a mindset and an insight that caused his life to be blessed. And you see, if I live with that kind of intent, if I set my face like a flint towards rejoicing in the goodness of God, I don't have problems. I just have places where promises can become realities. God is able to turn up for me. You know, I said this to you before, that God took me to a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, sorry, 13 verse 10. It says this, but these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Do you know every circumstance in your life the devil wants to steal those three things from you he wants to steal your faith he wants to steal your hope and he wants to steal your love for Jesus it's not about the tire on the side of the road or somebody saying something harshly to you those are incidentals the devil has an agenda he wants to steal your faith he wants to steal your hope and he wants to steal your love for God amen that's happening all the time but the good news is in every problem God wants to upgrade your faith, he wants to upgrade your hope, and he wants to upgrade your love. And the deciding factor is those three little digits. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whether you slay me, God, I will praise you. The second thing that this young man did, which I think is a principle to live by, is he knew he was blessed. He says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Now, the thing about blessing is, you don't feel it at first. Positionally, you are already blessed. There's nothing to be added to the blessing. Really, there isn't. Everything that you need pertaining to the life that Christ has afforded you and indeed invited to is already provided for you. You're not looking for something. Something has found you. That something is a someone. He came in search of you, and you are blessed and highly favored. You are the first, and you're not the last. I I don't care what your mother said or your auntie said or the people at work, their words are so inferior to the word of God. And you're going to make up your mind Are are you choosing to live in the reality of what Jesus says about you? Or are you going to let some other people define a new reality for you? Uh Uh-uh. Me and my house, we decided long ago I'm going to look into the face of God and whatever he says is true. Whatever you say, I'm going to be a bit cagey about. People have agendas. They have agendas. You are blessed today. You may not live in the biggest house. You may not have the fastest car. You may not be married to the most good-looking man in the room. I'm already taken, but thank you for asking. (laughs) But the reality is, the reality is, you could not be any more blessed than you are right now now instead of waiting for god to bless you or praying that god would bless you why don't we switch it up and say god already has blessed me i am blessed should we try it oh no <laughs> i am blessed do you know why <laughs> try it again it sounded good now we're looking like a crowd I am, ble- I am blessed now before you get all kind of touchy about that. Isn't that like name it, claim it, blab it, grab it? No, it's what the Bible says and you and I have to make up our mind. Who's telling us the truth? Are my circumstances and my problems telling me something different? than my true reality in Christ, I am already blessed. That means that in every room I stand in, blessing is available to me through Christ Jesus. I'm not waiting for someone to come, someone has already come, and he's made his dwelling place my heart and my life. I couldn't be fuller if I tried. I don't need to chase this or that, or go here or go that. Everything pertaining to the life that God wants for me already lives inside of me. The fullness of the Godhead, don't clap, we haven't got time. The fullness of the Godhead dwells richly in Christ. And where does Christ dwell richly? In you and in me. You have everything pertaining to the life that you want. You already have it in fullness, pressed down, shaken up and overflowing. It's it's waiting to spring forth in your life. And here's the problem. You're waiting to be blessed. You see, it's a bit like when we're praying for God to do something and he's already done it. Have you ever done that? I love the story where they're all in the room praying for Peter to be released from prison. Oh God, just break the bars in Jesus' name. Send him back in Jesus' name, and there's a knock on the door. People are so intentional about trying to get God to do something, they fail to recognize it's already done. When Jesus died on the cross concerning your life and everything pertaining to it, he said three words again, it is finished. When you go looking for something you already have, you miss what you already have. When you're praying for blessing without realizing you're already blessed, you're waiting for a circumstance or a situation or the lottery, or whoever she is that's gorgeous to turn up at your front door and said, I've been waiting for you all my life, lead me into your arms. And by the way, I love Jesus too. Whatever it is you're waiting, you give authority to the external over and over and over again, and you fail to realize that inside of you The blessing of God already exists. God, Father, fullness, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and preside and reside in your life. There's nobody outside of that that can top that. There's no circumstance that can trump that. There's no problem bigger than that. Greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world. And so I think I've established for you that you're blessed. Oh, Jesus. I think you might think I've tried to tell you you're blessed. My hope is by the end of the service that good news reaches your face. Hope up from the grave he You are blessed and highly favored of God. The Father delights in you. He rejoices over you singing. There is nothing in the heart of God but goodness. His favor rests upon you. So if that's true, I need to live differently. And to live differently, I need to think differently. I need to stop waiting for something to happen and realize that someone has already happened to me. I need to walk this walk with Christ, knowing that his power and authority, his glorious dominion are all part of the legacy that Christ has left to me and afforded me through his death and his resurrection. I need to walk into every room knowing that because I am blessed, blessing is about to materialize. That which is positionally right is about to become manifest before my eyes. You know, I went through a season in my life, it's a crazy thing to say, but everywhere I went, people gave me things. Obviously, it's past. (laughs) 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 Literally, everywhere I went, people would give me things. I I remember chatting with this gentleman. I said, oh, that's a lovely watch. You know, we were just chatting about nonsense, really, and, and he said, you can have it. Of course, I didn't hesitate. to so say thank you very much. <laughs> Do you have the box and the papers? <laughs> okay. I went to the garden center one day, and I'm chatting to the girl uh, at the reception desk. And uh, we were trying to renovate a building in the church in Bristol, and um, chatting away to her. And she's telling me this story. You know, She said, you're in here every Monday. Uh, well, yes. Because <laughs> when you're a Christian, you can't go to the pub. It's the garden center of B&Q, isn't it? That's it now, isn't (laughs) it? Okay, Okay, so we were in there on a Monday. I used to love looking around all the bargain plants. And she said to me, you know, there's something about you. And uh, she said, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I'm a minister. She said, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) She couldn't believe I was a minister. I can't believe it myself, so don't blame her. And uh, she started chatting. She told me this story. She told me that she used to go out with this guy who she left her home. She was a Christian. She went to YWAM. He was in YWAM. They met her on some camp somewhere. And she moved out to, I think it was Canada, to uh, marry him. And when she got there, he was engaged to somebody else. And ever since that, she's never walked with Jesus. She decided not. So do you think that God kind of maybe set that conversation up? Or do you think it was just some kind of accidental cosmic moment? So every time we went in, I would chat with her. And um, I was chatting with her one day and I said, you know, these big, huge plants, massive plants, like you see in shopping centres, those big ones. I said, are they going to be sold? Is anybody going to sell them? And she said, oh, no, they won't sell those off. I said, do you know what, lovey, go and ask, because you never know, do you? So she went off to ask and uh, she said, oh, yeah, they are going to sell them. We're rebranding everything and they've got, everything's got to come into a uniform state. And I said, would you mind asking the manager how much they are? Now, have you bought plants recently? They're quite expensive, aren't they? And this, these are huge indoor trees, really, fantastic plants. One was, I think, a silver birch of some description. So I'm really excited, I think, but I'm thinking as she's gone, this is going to be thousands, you know, it's going to go back. And she came back to me and she said, you can have them for 50 pounds each. Now, because I doubted the goodness of God, I said, did you say 500 pounds each? Oh, no, no, she said 50 pounds each. She said, but I don't know how you're going to get them. I said, trust me, darling, we'll get them. (laughs) Where there's a will, there's a weeping relative. (laughs) We will get them. So we hired a lorry. You remember this, don't you? The church hired a lorry and we got these young men to come. couldn't lift the plants onto the back of the lorry. So she calls up. I'm actually in the doctor's um, with a bit of a diagnosis issue. They thought I had cancer, which I didn't, um, thank God. But I'm on the phone to the I'm <laughs> talking to the doctor. I'm sorry. This is important, Doctor. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. It's true. I'm just, just keeping it real. Just hang on a second. Hang on a um, Yeah, 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 yeah. Can not get on the, can okay, okay. And she said, do you know what? We'll waver any delivery costs. We'll find our own truck and we'll bring them to your church and set them up for you. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, thank you, whatever her name was. And uh, she, she went and they gave them to us for free. We didn't even have to pay the 50 pounds each and they paid the cost. Just everywhere we went, God blessed us. Why? Because we are already blessed in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If you're not living from that reality, you're living from poverty. That's the other alternative, but you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy people set apart for his purposes and his favor rests on you. God has already blessed you. Now, can I be honest with you? I think if some of you went to the garden center and somebody offered you plants, you wouldn't feel blessed. You might feel cursed. Think, what are we going to do with these plants? Let me tell you what that is. That's the God who knows everything about everyone, blessing you in the way that he knows you will be able to hear from heaven to earth the sweet kiss of his favor upon your life. Your blessing will not look like mine. The favor on your life will not look like mine because you're not me and I'm not you. But unless you allow the Lord to bless you, you're going to live in poverty and you're going to keep waiting for something to happen that has already happened to you, the fullness of Christ dwells already richly in your heart and life. That should mean that I wake up every day with an expectancy of what God is about to show or reveal to me about His goodness. Are you still awake? Yes. Third thing, He delights greatly in His commandments, He delights greatly in the Word. I've found myself over many years with a problem, you probably can pick it up, I've got quite a few. My my problem is, Christians seem quite happy to declare a thing they don't live. Or they can sing, blessed assurance Jesus is mine, and they go out into their world and suddenly they're petrified and paralyzed by all kinds of things. can stand in an assembly like this and say, my God is able to do immeasurably more than all that I could ask or imagine, God, his power at work in me and walk out of here within seconds of declaring that truth and find themselves in a moment of adversity where the world seems far louder and far more powerful than the God who is blessed and indeed cherishes them. What is that? We seem to have an unhealthy relationship. With our understanding of how the word actually works so let me help you when it says here that he delights there's a clue there's a clue in that word that word this man believed absolutely that everything that God had to say was far better far more glorious far more important than anything anyone else had to offer. And I tell you this church again for the sake of the benefit of the tape. God is not trying to engage with you with some kind of alternative perspective to a different reality. He's not giving you advice. God is giving us instruction. We seem to cherry-pick the bits that we like, or we'll have all the blessings that Jesus has to give us. But whenever God chooses to challenge the the, the lack of humility in our lives, oh, I'm out of here, Pastor, I I don't know, you know, there's no love in this church. If I left every church there was no love in, there'd be nowhere left on earth for me to go. Because you know what, I'm looking for the right thing in the wrong place. You know, the love I need is Jesus because it's perfect and consistent and permanent and always available. If I'm waiting for somebody else to love me like that, I'm going to be waiting for eternity. So when people say, oh, I'm out of here because there's no love. Maybe you should have brought some with you and we could have shared it around. It would have been nice. If you had all that to offer, we would have loved to be the benefactors of that. Amen. It says that the word, which is a person, by the way, not a text, the word became flesh. What does that mean? That Jesus, the living, breathing, eternal, permanent, powerful word of God has to be absorbed into my body in the way I think, the way I act, the way I live, and the way I respond. I can't have separation anxiety where I believe a truth I don't actually see in my life. I can't have that. That's not good. Because I permission myself to live outside of the blessing of the word. And the word wants to bless me so richly. He wants to marinate my soul in his reality. He wants to come and abide in me gloriously. The word isn't something I do as a devotion at the beginning of the day. It's a person I embrace in every moment of every single day of my life. I'm living in a relationship with the word, the living word, the eternal word, the everlasting to everlasting word of God. The word that was spoken that created the universe the word that raised Jesus from the dead this is not something I intellectually agree to this is the only possible response to it I fall down and let him have all of me I submit all of me to all of him so that his word can be made flesh and have its dwelling amongst us the body of Christ is the embodiment of the real Word of God, the person of Jesus living in God's people. And that's more than I read the book of Leviticus for two hours a day. Okay, that's allowing God to be God in every part of my life, body, soul and spirit. All of him in all of me. That's what it means to delight in the Word. When we were in Birkenhead, I was shocked one day, we were sitting in our tiny little garden, it was about this size, a little courtyard garden at the back of the flats in Birkenhead, and Jane's sitting opposite me. We were in love. I wouldn't have wanted to be five feet away from her anyway. <laughs> Things have changed, anyway. The <laughs> <laughs> She's not here, I can be naughty, I can be naughty. Okay? And um, we hear this guy speaking in tongues. We thought somebody was waiting outside the church door. And he was going, shut up, and then he started quoting the Bible. So I looked at my watch If I missed, uh, do you know Paul Epton? Yeah. I thought I must have missed something because everything was so busy in that church. So I, I, get, I get me shorts on and get them off, get trousers on and go around thinking there's a meeting happening at the church and I, I obviously missed it. And I get there and there's this man who is demon possessed, frothing and foaming and just cursing and quoting the Bible. I was absolutely shocked. I don't know why, because the devil does quote the Bible. When Jesus is baptized and the spirit comes upon him and the father speaks words of delight over him, he's taken out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And guess who turns up? The devil. And what does he do? Hello. He quotes the Bible. He quotes the word to the word. So just because somebody can quote scripture, I'm just saying. Do you know some of the hardest-hearted people I've ever met quote scripture? I've been in meetings where people have used the word of God for their own agenda. You've been in them too. You know, you've been in a prayer meeting. And somebody starts to pray, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, just for the sake of the elderly, would you turn down the volume in this building, Lord Jesus? Because the songs are so loud, you think, oh my goodness, I didn't realize this meeting was about you. (laughs) We are so keen to get our own way. If we're not careful, we will use and manipulate the word of God to try and do so. That is not what this man does I was reading the other day of this scripture and it said that um, people were coming to Christ and it's about the end times and he says to them and it just scared me he said this depart from me I knew you not listen church it doesn't say depart from me you did not know me It says, depart from me, I knew you not. Now, what does that mean? You can know the word. You can understand the word. You can read the word. But the word has to come into your life and fill your life with its truth and its revelation. That's what it means to know God. We can't say we know God. And yet the God that we say we know does not live in our lives day by day, orchestrating the decisions and deciding the program. He is either the Lord of all, or he's not the Lord at all. I don't want to get to heaven and God say to me, I knew you not. I want Jesus to live in my life. I want my heart to be his home. I want my life to be his dwelling place here on earth. I want my body to be the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. I want God in all his fullness to saturate and marinate and permeate every single part of my life i don't want an extra existential uh, religious thinking pattern that doesn't turn up in the things that i speak and the way that i live and the things that i decide it is not okay to have that duplicity in the body of christ and we've been fooled into thinking that we can educate ourselves into transformation it's only when the word becomes flesh that we are truly transformed You can talk truth and truth and truth and truth, but that truth will never set you free until you know that truth. And when you know that truth, that truth will liberate and liberate and take you away from anything that was trying to hinder or restrict you. It's the knowing of the truth that sets you free, and that knowing is the same word that's used for intimacy between a man and a woman. It's not talking about you've remembered Leviticus six. It's not talking about your your memory verses. It's talking about you are known and you know. You are known and you know the word, and the word will set you free. And who the Son sets free will be free indeed. And finally, principle four, it says his descendants will be mighty on the earth. There's a byproduct, an outworking to living a righteous life. It's that it's a submersive culture that influences and impacts your children and their children and their children's children from generation to generation. I stood on the streets in Glasgow one night, met this wonderful young lady who was selling her body to try and fulfill a a cocaine addiction. She unusually had not been overly brutalated and scarred by the harrowing condition of her addiction. And we chatted and she came along to the church and she gave her heart to Jesus. And she found a young man and they had children. they've grown up now and i think they're probably at the limitless festival down from glasgow what's the point of that story when your life is conditioned by the word of god when you choose to rejoice in the lord okay when you know that you are blessed and every day you're living in the fullness of If god never did another thing for you you are really blessed because you have jesus Really blessed. There are so many people who don't know Jesus. You are blessed upon all blessing. Just knowing him for me is the blessing, not the stuff that comes. Okay, that's extras. Okay, when you allow the word to manifest itself in you and become flesh in you, the people around you are impacted and infected by the kingdom of God. And that that blessing that you are in many ways living in, by default is creating more blessing and more blessing and more blessing for the descendants that come after you. That's why we must be people who praise the Lord, not complain about our problems. Because as I praise the Lord in the midst of my problems, I'm creating a culture for my daughter to understand that God is with us, he is for us, and nothing can stand against us. Now, she's not sitting down with a pen and paper writing down, oh, daddy said this. In fact, the opposite is true. But she's learning, learning by default, how to respond to the adversities and the difficulties of life. Because as a Christian. I really should be responding differently than people who don't know Jesus. Because I have a living hope that is steadfast and sure. my name, I know it's crazy, is written in the Lamb's book of life. The steps of the righteous are ordained of the Lord. All of our days are not unknown to God. He has planned them for the beginning to the end. He's knitted you together in your mother's womb. He's formed you, he's fashioned you. He's made you the remarkable human being that you are. Nothing is a shock or a surprise to him. You're never too much and he can't get enough. That's the reality of what you're living in. So. The woman at the checkout doesn't treat me nicely. Welcome to my world. Somebody doesn't look at me and think I'm the best thing since sliced bread. Well, that's great. I'll survive. First, I was afraid. Why? Because, because it's not a matter of what anyone else thinks or says. About me. Whose report am I going to choose to believe? And as for me in my house, we decided a number of years ago enough already. We will build our lives on the foundations of truth that will establish for us a communion with God that is so blessed and so full and so rich. I don't need to go anywhere else to drink from another fountain for the fountain of life is living inside of me, pressed down, shaken up and overflowing. I don't need to to taste the lips of another woman because God has satisfied me, the most beautiful woman who's strong in the Lord and mighty in, in her prayer and intercession. She'd have to be, wouldn't she, married to me? She would have to be that kind of woman. I don't need to chase rainbows because I've already got treasure. I already have fullness. I already have blessing. I'm not waiting for somebody else to tell me who I am. God has told me who I am. And I'm not perfect, but his love for me is perfect. And it's perfecting my life on a regular basis. So you may not look like you've got fame and fortune as far as the world is concerned, but I'm telling you, his eye is on you. Will you be a person who praises the Lord? Stand with me, please. What's left of the worship team? Perhaps you could come back. I think there's nothing left of the worship team. Junior, we're going to have to have a. a, a just stand with me. You can sing. You can sing with me. <laughs> Grab your mic, lovely. Thank you for your patience with me. You're very gracious towards me. Thank you. You allow me to uh, exasperate you. Just lift your hands in the air for me, would you please? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you so much that you're here with us today. And we're hearing things that are true. But, Lord, without your, your ministry to us, without our submission to your power and your authority in us, We'll just go home and nothing will change. And Lord, I pray that you would put a new song in our hearts. I don't care what the song of yesterday was, not because it's not important, but that season has passed. Behold, the winter has passed and a new day has come. And Father, this is a season of rejoicing. It's a season of refreshing. It's a season of renewal. For me to enter into that, I need to learn again, perhaps at another level, how to praise the Lord, Amen. just lift your voice and do that for you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord God. That's the beginning of a great adventure for you and God. Second thing, Church. Just as we're topping and tailing, you are already blessed. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the one who lives in submission to the fullness and the reality of all that God has accomplished for them. Everything pertaining to a life of godliness and fullness has been given to you in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus lives in you. Father, we're not waiting for the world to give us a hand up. We're not waiting for them to give us a hand out, Lord, because you held your hand out to us, and you call us your beloved sons and daughters. Father, you've raised us up out of the mire and the clay and you've set our feet upon solid ground. You are a sure foundation, Jesus. We don't need what the world has to tell us or give us, Lord. We already have everything we need, this side of heaven. And Father, it's enough to keep us, it's enough to sustain us, and it surely will bless us, Lord God, because everything about you is a pressed down, shaken up, and overflowing blessing, Father. To know you is a blessing, Lord. To hear you is a blessing. To read your word and to understand who you are and what you're doing is a blessing. To have each other is a blessing. To have breath is a blessing. Everything around us, Lord God, are the gifts that you have given us, because we are already blessed and highly filled. David. And Father God, I pray that we'd use the pin number of praise to release more blessing in our lives, not to store up for ourselves treasure on this earth, but Lord God, to give it away to those who do not know what it is to live in relationship with God. Father, we ask, put your hand on your heart for me. We ask that your word would find its place in us to the point, Lord God, that we become like your word. Jesus, we want to be like you. It's very quiet. Jesus, we want to be like you. That's what this is all about. We want to think like you, we want to act like you, we want to speak like you. We want to love like you love, Jesus. We want to forgive like you have forgiven us, Lord. Jesus, we want to be like you. Let your word, let you, the word, dwell in us to such a point, Lord, where it's fleshed out in our thinking, in our acting, in the way we respond to the world around us. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the law, and upon his law he meditates day and night. For he is like a tree planted by a stream of life who will bear its fruit in and out of season. That's what we want, Lord, to bear fruit in and out of season. And Father, we pray that you would cause our lives to have impact on those around us. Not negatively, like some of us have inherited, but Father, from the kingdom's perspective, our sons and daughters, will become mightier men and women of God than we ever, ever could ourselves. Father, let them stand on the shoulders of the giants in this room and see the world from a place of breakthrough. Father, there are battles that we had to fight. They no longer have to fight. Lord, you're raising up a generation of people, Lord God, who are living from a different place. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, they would take the world by storm. You would radically fill them with your spirit to such a point, Lord God, that they release their lives over other people and release Christ into all kinds of circumstances your secret weapons of mass destruction tearing down the strongholds of the enemy we ask this in your precious name Jesus amen now keep your eyes shut for a moment just keep your eyes shut if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you haven't experienced God's love for you you are missing out on the most exquisite experience the human soul can have this side of eternity and you need Jesus because you like me are full of faults and brokenness and pain and sin and the only person who can heal you from that and set you free from all that that's pertaining to is Jesus his blood is the only thing that breaks the power of those habits and those conditions in our souls and so while everyone's got their eyes shut I want to ask you is there anyone here today who'd like to offer their life to Jesus in the same way as Jesus offered his life for them While we've got our eyes shut, just slip your hand up for me, please. Because we'd love to pray more effectively for you. If we knew who you are, that would be great. If you want Jesus as your savior today, put your hand up and put your hand up now, please. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Perhaps you're backstay and perhaps you're outside of God's purposes. If you need to come home, come home today. This is a good day to come home. And the father is waiting for you and he loves you and his heart for you is so impeccable. Just turn around and come back to God. Turn around and give your heart back to God. Don't wander off into the world with shame and guilt as your companions. Come back to hope and joy and peace and fullness. Is there anyone here who would like to come home this morning? You're a Christian, but you've walked away from God. Thank you. Anyone else? I know there are more people in the room that this applies to. Thank you. So, Father, we pray for these brothers and sisters of ours. We ask, of oh God, that you'll touch their hearts. And fill their souls with light and love. Thank you for your blood, Jesus, which breaks off us the power and the curse of sin. And we thank you, Lord, that your love breaks in on us and brings us closer to the reality of who we truly are. You redefine a new life for us, Lord, as we give our hearts towards you. We accept your offer of forgiveness, Jesus, and salvation. And we give our lives to you as you gave your life for us, Lord. Let us be fully immersed in the reality of who you are as you fully immerse yourself in the reality of who we are. And Lord, for those who are coming home, bless their hearts, we pray, as they turn towards you, Lord. May they find you to be the God who always was waiting for this moment. Lord, we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, and worship his holy name. Sing like Church as we finish, bless the Lord. Lord. you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you all the days of your life. Amen. Amen. God bless you church. Have a great week.